Hey there, and welcome to the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We're honored you've chosen to join us today. In a few moments, Senior Pastor Alan Miller will launch into this week's teaching. Before that, though, we'd like to encourage you to also check out our website, firstmissionary.net, where you can find out more about what the Lord is doing in our local body and how you can get involved. Now here's Alan with this week's teaching. Well, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. It's so good to be here with you. I hope you are as excited about being here today as I am excited about being with you. And, and just something that's been on my heart all day today, this morning, uh, just in, in what we've been singing and, and how uh, in, in the song selection today and what we sing, those words that are just spoken to him in worship. You know, we're not just singing about him or his just about his goodness or about his grace, but man, worship is singing to him. It is really expressing uh, your heart personally to God. You know, uh, yesterday I was at a ball game and uh, I was kind of in the up, upper section and I saw something out of the corner of my eye. I saw uh, some emergency personnel over there and couple of ushers and, and and off to my side that they were looking up and they were looking up even further than what I was sitting and I, as I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm seeing this out of my periphery I began to notice that other people around me started started looking too and, and everybody at this point is kind of wondering what, what is going on and and I kept looking and, and as they were looking up it didn't take long for me to realize Someone's, someone, something's happened. There's, there's a, a, a medical emergency. Something, something's happened to somebody. And so I was looking to them, and as I looked to them, then I looked up. I looked to them, then I looked up. And as I looked up, I, I couldn't see. But I kept looking. I kept kind of straining. I, I didn't want to get out of my seat and walk over there and be like, gosh, what's everybody looking? You know, I didn't want to do that. But I kept looking, and then finally... I saw uh, the emergency personnel bringing a lady down on a stretcher. And she was an older lady. She'd come to the ball game yesterday. Uh, she didn't look terribly distressed. She, she just kind of sat there very still in the stretcher as they began to bring her down. And my spirit was just to pray for her. I mean, even right, I wanted to say, and that whole upper section was, hey, everybody, we need to pray for her. And so in my spirit, I, I just prayed for her and, and they brought her down. And then she seemed to be kind of okay and nothing, nothing major, major. And they, then they, they took her on out. And then when they took her on out, everybody's direction just went right back to the ball game. And I learned and I, and I was reminded of a very, very important principle about what we do, what we do here what we do in our worship, what all of this is really, really about. And that is that, that we are pointing people to Jesus. You can take all this away. You can change it all. You can turn it all off, remove it, change it, uh, do whatever you want to do with all of this. But if you remove the Spirit of God, that points us to Jesus. 
We have nothing. When you think about what is, what is really, really, really necessary, you think about the apostles in the early church and, and how did they grow? How did they thrive? And it was, it was the Spirit of God who was leading them. Jesus said, my Spirit will guide you into all truth. So all of these things are pointers. They're pointers. They're never, if these ever become objects of worship, even the songs that we sing, if they ever become the object of our worship, we've missed what worship is all about. I looked to them and saw them look up and my eyes and my spirit was not satisfied until my eyes saw where the concern was, and that's where I directed my prayers. Our eyes are never satisfied until we see Christ and we worship Him. That's what all of this is about, pointing others to Christ. And all of this can change. It will change from one generation to the next. God infuses His Spirit with so many things that lead people to Christ. But if you ever remove the Holy Spirit, then none of it matters anyway. Because we'll fail to see Jesus if He's not with us. So, God just reminded me of that yesterday at the game. Well, today we're going to continue in our message series, Wrestling with God. And at this point in the message series, we are going to, to move away from the night of wrestling the night that Jacob was alone when he was with the Lord, when he wrestled with God. And if you remember, there was a reason he was wrestling with God to begin with, and that is because he knew he was going to have to see his brother Esau. And he, was in, he and his brother Esau had been in conflict uh, ever since birth. And he knew that after 20 years of being removed, he was going to have to see his brother Esau And he was fearful. He was distressed. He, he wanted the Lord to deliver him from this encounter. He knew that. He knew that a wrestling match with his brother, a fight, if you will, a fight was going to break out. And there was going to be death. And he was concerned for all the people in his camp and himself. And, and so he, he, he gets along with God. And that night of wrestling with God, he sees God's face. And he leaves that encounter, not, not just with a broken hip, remember the story, but a broken man. And then he goes, and he has the encounter with his brother. And this is where we pick up today. By the way, I'm entitling this message, Strangleholds and Hugs. Strangleholds and Hugs. Who would have ever dreamt of anything like that. Strangleholds and hugs. Anyway, hopefully I can explain that in a few minutes. Genesis 32, beginning in verse 1. After the night of wrestling, he walks away with a limp, and the text says, Then Jacob lifted his eyes... I'm sorry, this is 33, verse 1. 33, verse 1. Then Jacob lifted his eyes and looked. And behold, 
Esau was coming and 400 men with him. So he divided the children among Leah and Rachel and the two maids. He put the maids and their children in front and Leah and her children next and Rachel and Joseph last. And my goodness, I'm, I want you to imagine for just a second the terror that he's imagining. And basically what he's doing, and this seems rather crude and hard, but he's thinking, man, if anybody's got to go first in this battle, then, then he basically sets that order out. Can't imagine the thought process and the decision making behind that. But he himself, the scripture says in verse 3, passed on ahead of them and bowed down to the ground. He bowed down to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. Then Esau, man, the one he had been dreading to see for over 20 years. Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept. He lifted his eyes and saw the women and the children and said, who are these with you? So he said, the children whom God has graciously given your servant. Then the maids came near with their children and they bowed down. Leah likewise came near with her children and they bowed down. And afterward, Joseph came near with Rachel and they bowed down. And he said, what do you mean by all this company which I have met? Jacob replies, he said, to find favor. To find favor in the sight of my Lord. But Esau said, I have plenty, my brother. Let what you have be, let what you have be your own. Jacob said, no, please. If now I have found favor in your sight, then take my present from my hand. For I see your face as one sees the face of God. And you have received me favorably. Please take my gift, which has been brought to you. Because God has dealt graciously with me and because I have plenty. Then he urged him, and he took it. Uh, Father, as we enter into this time of, of examining your heart and, and your word, Father, we would not want to do this without you. We wouldn't even want to dare to try to do this without your Holy Spirit, without your power, God. So, Father, we are trusting your spirit to be our guide and our teacher today. We are trusting to have an encounter with you. We are trusting that we'll come to better know what it means to wrestle with you. And to know that strangleholds and hugs from a distance, they look the same. So Lord, teach us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want you to imagine for just a second 
you're on the other side of the riverbank when this takes place. Because Scripture tells us that all of this occurred along the edge of a river. I want you to imagine for just a second that you're on the other side of the riverbank. And you're watching, you are watching this scene unfold. Let's say that you know the history. You know the background. You know about Jacob. You know about Esau. You know their story. Let's say that you know, you, you know that there was a time when Jacob uh, schemed with his mother to deceive Isaac into giving uh, his to giving a blessing to him. That was rightfully Esau's blessing. Let's say you know the background. You know the history. You know about the time that, that, that Esau had been out hunting. And he came in one day. And, and Jacob had prepared a, a, a pot of lentil stew. And Esau was hungry. And he said to his brother. Exchange, I will exchange for you my birthright. My, my, her, my inheritance if you will. I will exchange that. Uh, for a, a pot of soup, for a bowl of soup, stew. You know that story. And let's suppose you also know that, that when that happened, Esau was so angry with his brother Jacob, he vowed to kill him. And he was mad. And you knew, you know that, that Jacob escapes, and for over 20 years, these two brothers live apart. And you know. That Jacob is coming back home. And you know. That Esau is going to be looking for him. And Esau is going to be waiting for him. And you know. That Jacob is distressed. And Jacob's been praying. And maybe you even know that Jacob spent a night with God. Wrestling with God. And you can see. You can see with your eyes. You can see with your eyes. A man. Limping. To meet his brother. What he expects to be his death. And you're on the other side of the riverbank. And you're taking all of this in. What are you expecting? What do you think is going to happen? Man, you're expecting that there's going, there's going to be a throwdown. There's going to be a wrestling. There's going to be a battle. You're thinking somebody's going to get speared. Somebody's going to die. Esau is coming across there with 400 men. And you're there to watch a good fight. And then, all of a sudden, Esau and Jacob do this. Now, from a distance, you might think they're wrestling. They're going at it. The other day, Emily and I were driving down the interstate. And I'm driving, and it's middle of the middle of the day, high noon, basically. Driving down the interstate, all of a sudden I see this car on the other side of the interstate. And, and, and the car is parked. And there's this man and this woman. And they are outside the car. And they are, they're locked up, y'all. I mean, they are hugging. They are kissing. I looked to Emily. I said, they're making out on the side of the interstate. You've got to be kidding me. Reminds me of another time. This doesn't happen all the time. Okay, this is another time. That I saw two guys one time in a parking lot. And they were like, that. And at first I thought, they're hugging. And then I thought, oh no, they're not hugging. Because the next thing you know, you see a, 
a right hook. And you see, and then they say, they go to the they're fighting. Yeah, no, they weren't. So if you are on the other side of the riverbank and you're watching this thing unfold, you see two brothers do this. And you might think they're fighting. But the text says that Esau, when he saw his brother Jacob coming, that he fell on him. He ran to him. He embraced him. He fell on his neck and he kissed him. And both of them, the scripture says, this is verse 4. We'll put that back up there. And they together wept. They weren't fighting. They were reconciling. And I want you to understand a very, very important thing. Jacob limped to reconciliation. He limped. Because when he walked away with a broken hip from wrestling with God, he walked away as a broken man. His heart had been humbled. But watch this. Seven times. Seven times. Esau can see this. Esau is watching. And seven times times Jacob with a limp seven times in the ancient world, when people would bow, and many times when somebody would come into the presence of a king, the first thing they'd do is they'd bow to show submission, to show, to show reverence and to show respect. Esau saw Jacob coming, but he came and seven times the text says that he bowed to show respect, to show submission to show honor. He was demonstrating as he was coming forward in what many would think would be to be a, be a fight. He's coming with this great humility and this, this great brokenness. And that's what wrestling with God can do for you. Now there is a tenacity that comes with wrestling with God that we see in the previous text. A determination. One of the neatest things about when, when Jacob wrestled with God is that, that God came to him first. As a man, right? And, and as he wrestled with God, if, if God wanted to, God could have broken his arm. He could have broken his neck. If God wanted to, then, then God could have, in that moment, God could have said... I don't want to wrestle with you. I'm done with you. He could have ended it right then and there. But the fact that he just broke his hip and stayed there and came to him is a, is a sign to us that God wants us to wrestle with him. 
that he says, come on, bring it to me. What's on your heart? What's on your mind? What's getting you down today? What's burdening you today? What's heavy on your heart? And this week, this week, this week, this week, I've been, I've been learning how to wrestle with God myself. I've been praying for some things. And I've been trying to figure out how God wants me to pray for some things. And I've wrestled with Him. And, and, and I've learned this week too, a very, a very important part of, of that engagement, of, of, of that, that, that stranglehold that you can get on God and, and that God invites us to Him to do that. It says, come on, bring it. Give me your best shot. That many times in Scripture, people argued with God. They would plead their case. God, don't you know what's going on down here? God, God, this is what's going on. This is what I see from my perspective. And God, I'm not going to lay down lightly on this, God. But yet God came to Jacob. And God initiates it. And God wants it to happen. And He's okay with this thing going on and on and on and on and on. He invites us to wrestle with Him. He invites us to be honest. He invites us to be real. He invites you to bring to Him everything you've got. Raw, honest, open, bare-knuckled, come at Him. He can handle it. Wrestling with God till you see His face. A really important principle that we see unfolding here has to do with Esau. There's nothing in the text that tells us what was going on in Esau's life while Jacob wrestled with God. But a very important principle is the fact that when you wrestle with God, God might be wrestling with somebody else. And He might be wrestling with somebody else because you're wrestling with Him. You ever wanted to wrestle with somebody? I mean, you want to take them on. You would like to set them straight and get them down and pin them down. I mean, you don't want to hug them. You want to stranglehold, right? You want to tell them what is right. Anybody here? Can I get an amen? Been there? Done that? Yes. How many times have you stepped away and you said, okay, Lord. If I do that, I might really mess things up. But if you do it, it'll go a lot farther. It'll be a lot better. Than if I do it. Very important principle about wrestling with God is that when you wrestle with God, God just might be wrestling with someone else too. And this is not hard for God to do at all. Over time, God had softened Esau, He had provided everything that Jacob had deceitfully taken. And now Jacob. He wants to serve, not take from his brother. Just this past week, in just a very real and honest conversation, I asked someone, I said, do you really want God to heal you? And they said, I don't want to trouble God. With what I've got. 
I said, what? You don't want to trouble God with what you've got. Because you think you're putting God out? Because you know that there's children starving somewhere and people dying in, in war and battles and there's people in poverty, but, but God, he, He's too concerned with those things and, and you would hate to, to say, God, come over here with my little, little issue. There's nothing that is too small for God. There's nothing about your life that He doesn't want to work through and glorify Himself through and show you what He can do. He invites you. Yeah, bring your big stuff. Just bring all of it. He can do that. While you're wrestling and entangling with Him and, and you're duking it out, He can be somewhere else at the same time engaging the life of another. Philip Yancey, in his book on prayer, talked about a time that he and his wife got into an argument. They were vacationing out west, and they were at a speaking conference, and he said that he and his wife got into this big argument. Well, he didn't want to talk to her. He wanted to get away from her. Now, guys, don't amen. He wanted to get away from her, so he went off to one room. Thought he would get away from her. She followed him into the room. Continuing to make her case, continuing to make her argument. He says, I didn't want to hear it in that room, so I went to another room. Well, guess what? The woman followed me. Any guys feeling, feeling him right now? She followed me, he said. Went to another room. She's in there. She's making her case. She's coming at me, you know, and making this argument. He said, so I, I went to another room. He said, we finally went to all the rooms in the house, and when I got to the last room, she come busting through the door. He said, all we could do is laugh. <laughs> And then he said this, I learned an important lesson that not communicating is worse than fighting. In a wrestling match, at least both parties stay engaged. In a wrestling match, both parties stay engaged. God came to Jacob. He comes to you and he says, let's wrestle. And while he's engaging you and you're engaging him, he can be in another place, engaging another. He softened Esau's heart. Everything that Esau had lost, God had blessed him with. Esau had long forgotten the history, the past. Somehow, someway, God had been working on him while Jacob wrestled with God and God worked on Jacob. 
You ever been in a situation where you were just dreading a conversation, an encounter, a discussion, and you're like, oh, Lord, I don't want to have this at all. They're going to be so mad. They're going to scream at me. They're going to yell at me. This is going to be ugly. And the enemy, the enemy just tells you in your heart and in your mind, oh, you don't want to do that. It's going to be bad. But you fight through that. And you go. And you have the conversation. And you have the meeting. And the next thing you know, it's like, oh my gosh. Man, the Lord was working here. It wasn't nearly that bad. That person's heart had softened. And, 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 and so you see Jacob and you see Esau and they are hugging each other and they're weeping together. When you wrestle with God, God just might be wrestling with someone else too. And how this thing goes on is really, really, really neat. Because Esau would then looked his eye, looked up, and he and he saw in verse five, he he saw the women, he saw the children. He sees all of these who, who Jacob had basically lined up. Who are these with you? The children whom God has graciously given your servant, Jacob replies. Then, one after the other, watch this, one after the other, following the example of Jacob, Leah, verse 7, likewise came near with her children, and they bowed down. And afterward, Joseph came near with Rachel, and they did what? Did, what did they do? They what? They did what? They, they bowed down. He said, what do you mean by all this company which I have met? He said, to find favor in the sight of my Lord. Esau said, I have plenty, my brother. The one who had been robbed, shorthanded. During those years of separation, God was working in his life. I have plenty. Let what you have be your own. Jacob said, no, please. If now I have found favor in your sight, then take my present from my hand. And now notice what he says. For I see your face as one sees the face of God. And you have received me favorably. Time out. Rewind. When Jacob wrestled with the Lord, Jacob said, I will name this place Peniel, which means the face of God, because I have seen the face of God. He recognized the face of God when he saw Esau coming at him. He recognized the face of God in Esau because he had seen the face of God the, the night before when he wrestled with God. And you ask yourself, you ask yourself, what, what did he see? This was a fight. This was a brawl. This was like a stranglehold when this thing got started. 
But when you enter into a wrestling match with God and you bring everything you've got to Him and you engage Him and you look into His eyes, you know what you're going to see? Love. You are going to see the love of God. The love that He has for you and the love that He has for your situation, the love that He has for the lives of other people around you, the love that He has for your brother who you might hate, the love that He has for your husband that you're ready to give up on, the love that He has for your father who might have hurt you when you were a kid that caused you to limp like you limp today. When you look into the eyes of God, and what initially was a stranglehold, it becomes a hug. And you see love. And so when Esau bears down on Jacob, it's not hatred and bitterness and anger or hostility that's in his heart. It's love and it's forgiveness and it's reconciliation. And so when Jacob sees his face, he's like, aha. I've seen this face before. I see your face as one sees the face of God. And they reconcile. And God brings healing to their lives. Isn't that ultimately what you want to? Man, you got a situation that you're dealing with and you're, you're struggling with it. And you're wanting to know, God, God, how can I wrestle with you on this? This week with some things I've been wrestling with. I, I, I started arguing with him. Just saying, come on, don't you see this situation? God, man, this, this is important, God. God, I'm not letting go of you. Come on, God. This is important. This affects people's lives. This may seem small to some, God, but it's not small at all. And God, I want you to do something here. I, I want you to give me some answers. And I'm not letting go until I see your face. This is what it means to wrestle with God. Stop playing games. Stop the niceties. Stop the diplomacy. Stop the religiosity. And just come to Him with everything you've got. And lay it out there. And fight with Him if you got to fight. But I promise you, the stranglehold will become a hug. And when you finally see Him, you're going to see His love. And it'll change you. It'll change you. It'll change your situation. I'm convinced. I'm convinced. God 
wants to see your persistence. He wants to see your tenacity. He wants to know in your heart, are you really serious about me in your life? And if you are, then come on. Bring everything you got. Thanks for joining us on the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. That's it for this week's teaching, but you can always find more on our website, firstmissionary.net. We'd also like to encourage you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you benefited from this week's lesson, be sure to share it with your friends and family, then leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.